Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where we discuss the technical and people side of safety. Safety should be your primary leadership tool for discovering more about your people and culture. Your host is Dr. Mark French, also known as the Safety Dude. Mark is a credentialed, experienced, and passionate professional with experience in automotive, food, chemical, nuclear, e-commerce, and energy sectors. He is going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety based on industrial and organizational psychological theories. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in people management and how they impact our everyday workplace. podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Mark, and I am so happy that you have joined me for another podcast. So I saw some statistics uh, about my podcast and published them on my LinkedIn because I was really excited about the reach that I had this past year. Uh, Even with the content that I published, uh, I just want to say thank you. I really do appreciate the fact that you've you've made a decision to download my podcast and to listen to it. Maybe it helps you sleep at night. Either way, thank you. I sincerely appreciate it. I look forward to bringing even more content this year as we talk more about health and safety. And as I continue to innovate this podcast, evolve it, change it, you know, whatever... Uh, whatever seems to work and have fun and, and really bring some meaning. And maybe even for me, this is a very cathartic experience allows me to vent and release and get on my soapbox and talk about the things that, that rummage through my head. So a podcast to me is like my shower thoughts. You, you've seen those where you're in the shower and you have those random thoughts. My podcast to me is a lot of that. And so I appreciate you taking that journey with me and really looking forward to what this new year brings. As we've entered the new year, one organization in particular has stood out the past couple of weeks, unfortunately, that I think is with everything going on in the airlines, with the... Uh, with the FAA having trouble with their system, American Airlines, unfortunately, came to the forefront the last couple of weeks with a couple of items that happened. The first and most tragic was what they called the ingestion of a human being into one of the jet engines, one of the ground crew uh, in Montgomery, Alabama, uh, right at the end of the last year, was sucked into an engine and killed. Of course, investigation is ongoing. More is happening there. I'm sure there were protections that needed to be there. That The investigation will tell a lot of what happened, how it happened. Terrible, terrible injury. And then right after that, early in this year, so just a few days ago, it was released that American Airlines was punished for... Uh, for uh, retaliating against their flight crew for report, reporting fumes. 
So one thing that OSHA handles is whistleblower claims. So what was claimed is that uh, airline attendants and other people around the plane that worked there were complaining of the fumes of we smell, of course, there's combustion. So they smell fumes and they at times could be overwhelming. And so they would report that to their supervisor or whomever within the organization. Evidently, there was nothing done about it. No whatever about air monitoring or checking or validating or any type of process there, they claim. And then they took it to the government. They made the report. And what was claimed is that the organization was making the flight attendants if, okay, if you got a headache, take sick time. But that's considered retaliation. When you have an injury, you can't show any type of retaliation toward that injury. You can't, to me, that's a liking of someone coming up to you and their their arms broken from work and you go, well, why don't you just go on home and see your own doctor and don't say another word about it. Very different, the same. What best example I could come up with at the moment. <laughs> but it's unfortunate this organization would tell people that don't report that. Stop reporting. If you're going to report, you're going to be punished by having to take your sick time or being ignored in certain different ways of that complaint. Now, it goes a little deeper. There's been questions of why are there not carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide monitors within the area where the flight attendants work so that they can see if there's a potential problem, even if it's in within mild ranges. There are certain levels of where it's toxic, which would be something I'm sure we're avoiding no matter what. There's probably fail safes in place. I can't speak perfectly onto the design of the engine and how that's supposed to work because I've been on a number of planes where I've smelled a very heavy amount of combustion. There's been some I've smelled none at all. And that's part of being in flight. But how much I'm getting versus someone who is always on the plane, always near some sort of combustion, very different. When we look at the the idea that the airlines was doing something that was intimidating or telling the team that they should not be reporting there's wrong there. Why are we not letting people report? Why do we not have the gear, the information, the technology to monitor that? And one of the concerns was if we monitor it, if we give them the data, it only allows them to be easier to sue us if we're doing something wrong. What? That statement, when I read that from one of the the people representing the airlines and representing the the, the manufacturers, don't give them the data, because if they see the data, they may decide to sue. Rather than actually having to do the right thing, or maybe being accountable to what your engine is doing, or what practices you have in place to protect your people, makes zero sense. But I have been there. I've had those conversations in other organizations, and I've seen it happen to other safety people, maybe you are someone that you've been told that before. Let's not share the data. Let's just do it, not share it. And that way, if there is something, if it's good, we might share it. If it's bad, we might not share it. Um, what? I don't, 
I cannot fathom that from an ethical standpoint, but here it is as it's happening. What's also astounding is how low that fine was. It was $6,000, $6,800 in penalties. The airline is fighting it because they don't want to pay it or they don't want to admit guilt to, to retaliating against whistleblowers. That is a crazy low amount for something that amounts to telling someone that you don't have the right to report that you're nauseous or sick because of fumes in the air that may or may not have been tested or may or may not have the technology available to continually tell you if you're in any type of long-term danger from the work that you're doing. We should be upfront. Again, I say this frequently and I'm a firm believer in it. Safety should be transparent. It should be transparent to help other people, other safety people. It should be transparent to our people and our team. It should be transparent. And if it is, there can be oversight. But with transparency comes a little bit of the idea of trust. It also, transparency has the idea that we're not perfect, but we're willing to get better. I think that's the problem. Sometimes we don't want to admit that we're not perfect. We don't want to admit that we have the opportunity to get better. Let's talk a little bit more about that on the next half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. It's time to rehumanize the workplace. Having the means and methods to engage and empower your team is more important than ever. Fortunately, TSD Amalgamated is here for you. They focus on better understanding your organization's culture through team building, safety auditing, personal assessments, leadership training, and compliance-based systems. Their staff has the training, knowledge, and experience to help you achieve safety, compliance, and beyond. Visit tsdamalgamated.com for more information. And welcome back to the second half of our Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. So happy you've joined me uh, again. And we started the first part of the podcast talking about American Airlines and the rough few weeks they've had. Uh, And step one I want to talk about is what does this convey to the culture? I'm not judging their culture. I don't know anything about it from a firsthand standpoint. But from the outside looking in, fatality that's being investigated. A few weeks later, there's a retaliation claim in which there is found guilty of not allowing people or retaliating or not allowing people to switch shifts or do some things because of complaints of fumes and smells that could be hazardous, have the potential to be, and then also not allowing transparency into the process of not being able to see the full safety of what, how are we doing this in safety? What are we doing for you? How are we performing when it comes to safety? To me, it's like performing a a kind of a blanket industrial hygiene of an area and, and then hiding it. Or in some way, you're not supposed to do that. You can't do that, but trying it. And what it reminded me of is I just read a book called Soul Full of Coal Dust. And I'll put a link to it in the comments of my Facebook and LinkedIn page where the podcast will be. One, the the journey that this book takes, a piece of the journey, I'll put it that way, is that 
the attorneys for the coal companies, the ones that were exceptionally well paid, is they would put these workers through a gamut of tests from various doctors. And then ultimately, they would pick and choose which one they would bring into court. So where the worker might have one opinion from the one doctor that they were allowed to go see, the attorneys may bring in multiple uh, different opinions from other doctors saying, no, it, it was anything except black lung. It, there was no way that this was caused by the working environment. They would do everything in their power to show a judge or an administrator that it was not related to their work, even though they may hide under this attorney-client confidentiality, they may have another 15 opinions or more or less saying that, oh no, it's black lung, but they would restrict those. They would only bring forth the evidence that was in their favor, even though they had sent the person or had their records reviewed or x-rays reviewed by numerous doctors. So essentially by having more money, more power, more authority, they went out, got all these opinions, and then basically chose which ones they wanted to present, even though they may have overwhelming evidence that they're, this person is suffering and has had this work-related illness, they were choosing to fight it to prove a point. And that disturbed me. I really enjoyed the book. If you have an opportunity, it's a great read. Uh, well worth the time to see it from that perspective and, and to try to understand it from that perspective. And that's where I believe in transparency of safety. I believe that for us to build that fundamental trust, fundamental leadership in our people, we have to begin with safety. Because if we don't begin with the basic premise that we are going to be open and honest about your safety, nothing else matters. And again, the argument when we go back to what we were talking about with the airlines is that they didn't want to put like the bright flashing light, one, because passengers could see it. So they're they worried about that liability. But also if there was some sort of monitor or some sort of item that the flight attendants could see, they might decide that because they can see the readings all the time that there could be lawsuits. And I think the more concern was about the public, but I think there's ways that you can restrict access to those readings to only those employees that would understand it or have a means of doing it. Or maybe it forces us by having the information widely available. It forces us to get better, to improve our technology with any industry that I've been in. And let's especially focusing on the chemical industry, there is should be <laughs> working monitors in certain areas. That if you know it's a nitrogen area, it's an ammonia alarm in frozen foods, it's a different chemical monitors, depending on your process, that give you the warning and then the, the evacuation warning. Like there's a caution levels of, hey, something doesn't seem to be working right. These are your, your pre-action levels. These are your action levels. And these are your warning levels. So there's stages of what you can do. So maybe in the the early pre-action, you're just like, okay, something in the process, I need to start looking at my process. Maybe there's a small leak or maybe my, from the chemical industry, I'm not getting a full reaction that I should be, which is also a concern because you want that full reaction. That's where you get your profit is ultimately taking two things or more and making it into the third. Very simplified. I get that. 
So you want that pre-action of where you start looking at, okay, what, what's happening? And then there's the action level where there should be some caution. Maybe it's now we, we make sure all the vents are working or we turn on additional vents or we have a, a secondary scrubber system that we're going to enact or a backup process that we're going to implement. And hopefully that avoids ever getting into the warning levels where we really have to worry about what's happening and take immediate action to remedy before there is uh, problems with injuries or illnesses from that. And to me, the data says that. It screams to me, maybe there's other reasons. Maybe there's other items. But for what I can see, it's that lack of transparency that builds that lack of trust. And then you also turn that into where you've retaliated against people who keep bringing it up and found guilty of it. Of course, there's going to be there's going to be the they're contesting it. So more to come. Not going to make judgment. But at the time, there is at least findings enough that they cited it. It distra- distracts from the real issues of if the small things are going to happen, you have the big things, too. So to me, there's a fundamental safety system breakdown of trust, communication and protection. And it all comes back to the same idea of. Let there be transparency and openness to talk about the real issues within the safety system, within our processes, because if people are afraid to talk about it, that's how that's how fatalities happen. And I'm not saying that that was ever reported or concerned, but if the minor things are getting reported and we're fighting over them, it only means that the bigger things could be in the same way. I really appreciate you joining me for this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. I look forward to a whole new year of talking about safety, talking about leadership, talking about communication. And if you've been part of my blog, a lot about empathy and how that affects our working environment. Until next time we chat, stay safe. listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the online conversation at www.markafrench.com. All opinions expressed on the podcast are solely attributed to the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.